I'll read it, and then we'll pray, and we'll jump into the passage this evening. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send out, shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. In the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He shall execute kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the nations. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall execute the heads of many countries. He shall drink of the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he shall lift up his head. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this evening, even as we turn our attention to Psalm 110, we rejoice this evening as your church in the reality of having a king who is risen from the dead who has conquered the grave, who has ascended on high and taken his seat at the right hand of the Father. Heavenly Father, we rejoice this evening that in Christ we also have a high priest, an eternal high priest with sympathy and understanding, with access and power. Heavenly Father, may we not take these things for granted. May we recognize what we have in Jesus Christ and may we respond even as we learn Sunday morning with the fruit of our lips and praise to you and good works. That your name may be lifted high. Encourage our hearts this evening in this passage. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 110, as I mentioned earlier, a psalm to which we are very accustomed after working our way through the book of Hebrews. In fact, Psalm 110, alongside with Psalm 118, is the most quoted psalm by far in the New Testament. In fact, I wrote down the times it's quoted here. You have it in Matthew 22, 44, Matthew 26, 64, Mark 12, 36, Mark 14, 62, Luke 20, 42, and 43, Luke 22, 69, Acts 2, 34, and 35, Hebrews 1, 13, Hebrews 5, 6, Hebrews 7, 17, and 21, and Hebrews 10, 13. Time and time again, we see this psalm coming to the forefront in the New Testament. It's a messianic psalm. In fact, it's a very unique psalm. It's a psalm that starts with David sitting in on a conversation between God, the Lord, and his Lord. As Psalm 110.1 starts, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. It's a fascinating conversation we have here. Under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, David records a conversation between the Lord and between David's promised descendant. A descendant that was promised in 2 Samuel 7.12. That there would always be one to sit on the throne. There was a coming Messiah from the line of David. 
And the Lord says to that one, my Lord. In fact, what is most probably shocking here in Psalm 110 is that it seems, under inspiration, the way that David writes this, that he understands that this descendant of his is not a mere man, but it is the Son of God himself. Because David writes, the Lord says, not to my descendant, not to the one who is promised, but he writes, the Lord says to my Lord, to one who is higher than I am. David is, is the highest. He is the king in Israel. A man after God's own heart, and yet there is one who is greater than me. Yahweh said to Adonai, the Lord said to my Lord. In fact, Jesus himself uses this very verse. At Mark 12, 36. In fact, not only in Mark, but also in Matthew 22 and in Luke 20, it all these conversations is, is recorded where Jesus uses this very verse to assert his deity. I am not just the one who was promised from the line of David. I am the son of God himself. Why would David say, my Lord, he says there. So it's a fascinating psalm that takes us to this conversation between God the Father and God the Son. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Sit at my right hand, a place of honor until I make your enemies a footstool. When does this take place? Well, what we recognize now, with the help of Hebrews 10, 12 to 13, that this is taking place right now. That Jesus Christ, when he rose from the dead, he ascended on high and he took his seat at the right hand of the Father. And he is sitting there and he is pleading for us and he is waiting until he comes back in power, even as this psalm goes on to show us. Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. That word, till, this is a temporary position. This is not his eternal place, but a time is coming when his enemies will be made his footstool, when he will come and he will reign. Till I make your enemies your footstool. Again there, that idea of a footstool, it's the idea of complete victory. We talked about that as we were going through Hebrews. In fact, you see that same picture in the book of Joshua. There's a place in the book of Joshua where they've defeated their enemies and they stick their feet on the throat of their enemies, the enemy kings that they have conquered. It's a sign of complete victory. No hope of rising up again. They have been totally subdued, wiped out. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Verse 2 to 3, going along with verse 1 here, are focusing on his kingship. 
This promised one is a king. In fact, he's a warrior king. As verse 2 reminds us, he shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. The rod of your strength. We know from other passages, Psalm 2, verses 9, even looking forward to Revelation 2, 27, this one, Jesus Christ, he is the one who will rule from Jerusalem with a rod of iron. He will rule in the midst of his enemies, Isaiah 9, 6. The government is on his shoulders, Zechariah 14, 9. He's a king. And yet, his people shall be volunteers. They come joyfully, they come willingly to him. He rules with a rod of iron, and yet his people rejoice to be his. They come as volunteers in the day of your power as he is ruling in this kingdom. They come dressed in the beauty of holiness. From the wombs of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. His army is an army of volunteers dressed in holiness. They rise up like the morning dew, seemingly coming out of nowhere, unending in number. They rise with the morning. They have the dew of your youth, not not a tired army burdened down with weight, but a vigorous and eager, a numberless army. So these first three verses, we see this coming one presented in his kingship. He's a powerful warrior king. Verse 4 then, not just is he a king, but he's a priest. This would come out of seemingly nowhere. This would be almost shocking to someone reading this for the first time. There's no way that David would would write this of his own. This makes no sense to have a king and a priest, and yet this one who is this king promised. The Lord is also sworn, and he will not relent. The Lord will do what he has said, and this is what he has said. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. We noted all throughout Hebrews, it's, it's weird to be talking about Hebrews almost in the past tense now that we're almost through it, uh, but all throughout the book of Hebrews we have noted time and time again how his priesthood is, you are a priest forever. That is stressed, the eternality of this, the unending nature of it. In Hebrews 6, verses 16 to 18, Hebrews 7, verses 20 to 22, he's an eternal priest forever. As king, he rules representing God before the people. As priest, he stands representing the people before God. According to the order of Melchizedek. Again, as we worked our way through Hebrews, we noted how that idea of of Melchizedek His priesthood is not according to the Levitical priesthood, not according to the Mosaic law, but it is apart from the law. It is superior to the law and to the Levitical priesthood. It must be. 
Because if the priesthood continued, then the law would continue. But his blood is sufficient. He has fulfilled the law. So he's a king. He's a priest. Verse 5 to verse 7 then focuses on his victory. It goes back to the end of verse 1, till I make your enemies your footstool. Verse 5 to the end of this psalm takes us to that time when his enemies are made his footstool. The Lord is at your right hand. The Lord. As he goes into battle, the Lord is with David's Lord. He is empowering his victory, making his enemies his footstool as he promised in verse 1. His victory is sure. He will execute kings in the day of his wrath. He comes in power, even as Psalm 2, verses 10 to 12, look forwards to. He judge among the nations. He will fill the places with dead bodies, and he shall execute the heads of many countries. He will conquer. He will rule the world. And he shall drink of the brook by the wayside. Likely here it's a reference to his superiority. He drinks because he has conquered and he has a right to drink. And therefore he shall lift up his head. Therefore he will be lifted up in victory, the posture of a conquering king. Psalm 110 is a psalm that rightly understood fills God's people with hope. We're looking at it at a slightly different perspective than David was. David is is way before the coming of Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection. All of this is still future. He's looking forward to this. We are sitting kind of in the middle of verse 1 in history. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. He's ascended on high. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is fulfilling his priestly role before the Father. And yet we too are still looking for that conquering king to come back for his second coming. Even so, come Lord Jesus. So this psalm fills us with that same hope. It draws our attentions, even as the end of Hebrews does, to that kingdom that is ours in Christ, a kingdom that cannot and will not be shaken. He is our king. And praise the Lord, he is our priest And rejoice, for the victory will be his. He is coming. And he will set up his kingdom. So brothers and sisters, let that thrill your soul. Let that give you boldness in the day in and the day out. Even as we've seen the last two weeks in the book of Hebrews. I keep going back to Hebrews, but it's so tied to Psalm 110. 
But even at the, the end of chapter 12 in Hebrews where he says, we are living in this kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's what we are not living in. We, we are living in a broken world, but we're looking forward to this kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's where our, our, our citizenship is. And he goes on in chapter 13, as we've seen, to say, so then what does it look like to live in that kingdom? We are living in a broken world. We are waiting for a coming kingdom. We live boldly. We live joyfully. We can take whatever the world can throw at us because we know that this world is not our home. We understand that life is hard. We understand that we are living in a cursed world and broken bodies. But we know the end. We know what's coming. And that strengthens us. That invigors us. In the day in and the day out. So may a psalm like Psalm 110 do that for us. Fill us with hope. Strengthen us. Cause us to lift our heads. No matter how heavy the burden that you are carrying tonight. Lift your head in hope. Because your king is coming. And you have a priest before the throne pleading for you. Recognize these truths and live in the reality of these truths. So with that said, we're going to transition to a time of taking some prayer requests. A couple of prayer requests as we get started. 